delicious. Oh, goodness. I used to, like, scare my sister and, like, crawl around on the floor like him and chase her with doing that voice. That's amazing. <laughs> so on today, how we tortured our siblings. He stole it. He stole the hobbitses. <laughs> my eyes are watery. Good morning. <laughs> this is Sinister Sunrise. I'm Sarah. I'm Morgan. I'm not a millionaire yet, Aaron. Oh, <laughs> That's where all my cash went to. Oh. The first thing Wes says to me, he opens his eyes and I'm like, good morning. And he goes, mm. and then I, I go brush my teeth, come back. And he's like, someone in Illinois won the lottery. And I was like, well, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> and was it us? No. It wasn't Pretzel Pretzel either. Shout out to Pretzel Pretzel. They were doing some. Did you see that, Aaron? I don't know if it was a different company or if it was Pretzel Pretzel. Do they buy like a whole bunch of tickets and say they were going to give it to their yeah. employees? Yeah, first it was, no, it was or- one. And then they said, if you like and share this, we will split it with everyone mm. who likes and shares oh, this. Oh, no, no. I, so I was didn't like, see that one. Cool, I can't wait for my dollar. <laughs> <laughs> well, just kidding. It'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a lot because he won what, eight, four million, billion? That's enough. I can buy a few cards at the dollar store. I could buy a couple pretzels with that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Speaking of pretzels, you know what I haven't had in a while? Pretzels. Auntie Anne's. Oh, yeah. Or Auntie Anne's, as some people say. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> have I ever told you my cookie story about that, by the way? The pronunciation? No. I didn't realize. Okay, I'm saying it right. The cookie's famous Amos. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, I was calling it famous almost. Yeah, and Clay had to go, <laughs> what? Show me what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, your pretzels. Go back oh, to your sorry. pretzels. So, okay, so it's Friday. It's payday. Of course, Wes and I want to be bougie and get lunch delivered because why not? And he wanted Charlie's something from the from the mall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. And I was like, well, I don't really want that. I was like, ooh. What else is at the mall? And then it came up that it had Auntie Anne's. And I was like, oh, there you go. Hell yeah. It was $5 for one pretzel. Wow. $5. Was it like worth it? Like $5.49. No, I didn't get it. Oh. I'm a frugal bitch, Erin. You can't pay $5 for a pretzel. <laughs> I was going to say inflation. Inflation is here. If we were at the expo and I was hungry and they had pretzels that were $5, I would get it. But- Yes, listeners, we went to the Oddities Expo. Yes. Oh, it was so cool. It was. So many haunted dolls, so many (sighs) weird crafts. I bought a few wall prints, Mm -hmm. creatures and containers. Yeah. Morgan got a skull. I did. A fox skull. Yeah. That's really cool. Almost got almost got an octopus. Yes. I did. I could well I didn't You didn't want the big one though. Right? Well, here's the thing. I was like, I don't have any wet specimens. That's what they're called. (laughs) So do I go all out and just get a big one or what? And then I saw a cute tiny octopus, a blue ring, I think. And they're very like venomous, poisonous, venomous. And but they were very expensive. So I said, better not. Um, But I did fall in love with a piece of art and then I lost the booth. But then I found the girl on Instagram Mm-hmm. And I went and picked up an alligator skull. Oh, how cool. He's pretty cool. 
Yeah. It's not just the skull. My fox skull is just the skull, but this one is on like a framed piece of art with dried flowers. It's very elegant, very bourgeois. It is very pretty. I've seen it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. If you search that on any social media platform, you'll find it. They do, I obviously they're doing like a nationwide Mm-hmm, like a traveling road show. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, they already came to St. Louis. Sorry, um, but they said a lot of artists. Like they said, I was like looking at a bunch of like anytime the expo shared a photo, they usually tag the artist. Mm-hmm. So oh, I was going nice. through and looking all of them because oh, I don't have a life. And most of them said like, "Oh my God, St. Louis! Like you, like you basically sold us out. Like I." can't even go to the next like two because i have to work to like make more i so, believe it it was yeah. packed it, it was packed and I was we really got there shocked. so early mm-hmm. oh, which was, we did it right i think good going call, early Morgan. was it was morgan's idea to get there like at the open yes i mean there Very was still a line of people when we were leaving that yeah. were like waiting to get in so. we were there for like three hours which i we did good we i think we saw at least a section of every booth yes yes yeah. i think we tried to stop by everywhere yeah yeah it got as as the day went on and more people came in. It was a little bit like, wait, where am I? I'm yeah. getting turned around. But <laughs> who am I? Yeah, what is this? Did we already stop here? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. But if you like the macabre, ooh, I haven't been able to use that. Whoa! If you wow. like the macabre and the Points weird, fancy. thank you. Um, if you like that kind of stuff, definitely check it out. And also, like I said, if you follow them on Instagram, um, or look them up they share a lot of artists stuff so maybe you'll find you know if you're into taxidermy rats doing ballet you can find an artist that does that um if you're into wet specimens then you can find an artist that does that (laughs) i did like the critter in the tugboat oh the critter in the tugboat the woodchuck 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 in the canoe yes And then there was and a the tugboat. Po- no, the po- canoe. I I really wanted the possum. I'm not going to lie. I was like, uh, it was a baby possum with his mouth open. And he was like, ah, and he was rowing the canoe. It was cute. In my forever home, it may or may not look exactly like that expo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Each room. Oh, yeah. This is my wet specimen room. <laughs> oh. This is my giraffe and um, Africa Yeah, they had a taxidermy giraffe. Yeah. Just like the mm-hmm. neck up. Yeah. But it was huge it's insane yeah Yeah. sarah did you put your artwork up at all i've not put it up yet i was gonna say i don't see it i was hoping you would so then you could surprise clayton it'll be in the um in my office oh where i can enjoy it Mm -hmm. i did ask Wes where i could hang my one piece of artwork i bought and i was like how about uh in the hallway and he was like <laughs> um, I'd rather not. And I was like, Aww. "All right, well then the alligator skull is going directly above your head on our bedroom wall." And he was like, "Okay." So we know how he feels. But he sleeps on the couch. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even he's face from you. It's he's face from the alligator. Yeah. Head. Yes. <laughs> I just look up and it's staring at me all night long. <laughs> um. But yeah. Um. Today is a group episode. You have to say, speaking of oddities and expos, we have a little bit of everything for you guys today. Yeah. yeah. Flipping the script again. Oh, yeah. So I, Sarah, I'm doing a Morgan episode. I'm doing a cryptid of sorts. Ooh. Oh. Sorry, Morgan, we have this thing up and I, I'm someone who needs eye contact. I know. But I can't. I'm also like, sh- I'm like sh- sitting like this. I don't know why. Let me put my pause Maybe our spines will be very happy with us. Okay. That's true. That's better. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I think hopefully I sound okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm doing a cryptid. I, Morgan, am doing true crime. 
Dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a, um, like a, a, a study that was done that's really interesting. Ooh. So I'm doing a Sarah story today. Okay. The human yeah. mind. And then back to our normal or our old school way of recording, we have a game to do. Yes. And I don't know about it and I'm very excited. Well, we came up with different ideas. So we I need you to break we... the tie. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so I get to pick which one I might be better at? Oh, sure. sure. Wink, wink, yeah. nudge, yeah. nudge. However you want to think about it. Tell me about them. So one would be more of a physical game. It's right. um, We each get 15 solo cups uh-huh. and we get to use one hand to stack them up to four levels tall. So you like make it into like a pyramid. Yeah. Only right. using one hand. Okay. One hand. Yes. Yes. One handed. You see who makes the tower okay. quickest. What's my next option? Um, this is more pen to paper, but we could come up with like a more, um, specific grouping, but naming as many celebrities as you can in a minute. Oh God. Yeah. Well, me and physical things usually are not friends. (laughs) I'm good with celebrity lists. I'm fine with whatever. So. I'm not going to lie to you The other one could always be a game for next time we, you know, have the chance to do a game. I... I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I was a uh, latchkey kid, and uh, this cup thing was literally a game at latchkey, where you had to stack them up and push them down. You know what I'm talking about? Those quick cups, stack cups. I actually bought a set of those in the last five years. I sold them at a yard. Last five years, so good. You said no, Sarah. I. Did you it watch was, videos and you, you were like, like, I can do this now? No, you... it was post-college. My parents were at an auction and I was like, you know, I really don't care. Like, I was living at home right after college and I saw these cups and I was like, dad, I need them. I need them. And he's like, oh my God. So yeah, we paid like $15. But it came with the mat that timed you. So not only are you telling me you bought these in your semi-adult life, yeah, but you also bid on them at an auction yes i want to say they started at like five dollars and we went up to 15 hey my parents are always down for the extra (laughs) the extra activities okay i'm literally snotting (laughs) yes they bid on this in front of their peers for me and i sold it at a yard sale like a year ago but it's they're don't knock it till you get them. They're very fun. <laughs> I am so glad that you don't have a filter a lot of the time on the podcast because like that story could have been like, I used to have those cups. End of story. We yeah. would have never known <laughs> the beautiful background to that. People, listen, listeners, we are complex individuals. Aren't oh, we yeah. all? <laughs> now I'm bummed I sold them. This would have been a great time to be like, actually. Here's, just whip them out. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what will make or break the situation. Okay. Oh, okay. Is Clavin sleeping? Yes. Let's do pen to paper. Okay. Perfect. Real Even quick. though I hate this because I am not a celebrity gal. Oh, okay. But it's okay. okay. As many celebrities? Yeah. Yes. <sighs> All right. All right. Yeah. I forgot what a quick writer I am not. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I did not abbreviate anyone. No, same. Mm-hmm. Alright, Yes. Oh, am I the only one unmuted? Whoops. No, I am or, muted. Okay. I mean, I meant, am I the only one still muted? Oh, no. oh. Twas me. Okay. <clears throat> we did play our celebrity list game. Name game. 
Um, so the I guess the name of the game is is if someone has the same one, you cross it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. So do you want to do your list first, and we'll go around? Yeah, sure. Okay. Jim Carrey. Oh no. David Bowie. Nope. Rod Stewart. No. Oh. I love this, but no. Joan Jett. No. Mm-mm. Freddie Mercury. No. You were on a tangent. Kim mm-hmm. K. Got it. Damn. Kanye. Yep. Nope. Beyonce. Nope. Nope. Billie Eilish. Nope. nope. Bill Cosby. Nope. <laughs> Ooh, tough one. I know. Sorry. Tough I know. Crowd. I know. I know. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. I wrote Billy, and then it, you know. Yeah. You can see my train of thought. Very no, I clearly. Noah Cyrus. Nope. No. Billy Ray Cyrus. How did you write this fast? No. Miley Cyrus. That's crazy. No. Dolly Parton. Elvis. Wow. Jesus. Good job. Nope. I definitely don't have that many. And I doubted myself. Wow. You shouldn't have. Okay. You, somebody else got to read too. Okay. I have Tia Tequila. <gasps> <laughs> I don't know what made me think of it, but she's number one on my list. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Do you remember that song by Tia Tequila? Yeah. How's it go? Um, uh, I never that is bit like me would fuck you up and leave you on your knees, right? Oh no, it's a different one. Oh, uh, oh man, it's somewhere in my brain. I hear it. Uh, hold on. Okay, I cannot. Keep, that's I'll, your first one. Yeah, Sarah. I don't know what happened because then I go straight into Britney Spears. Ah, uh, good one. Got, Got it. it. No. Okay, Justin Timberlake. Nope. Chloe Kardashian. Caitlyn Jenner. Nope. Courtney Kardashian. Mm-mm. Mia Farrow. Oh. No. Frank Sinatra. No. No. Nicki Minaj. No. Nice. Okay. That was me. There you go. You took my Kim and Kanye. I knew they were I knew they were dicey. I was trying to think of someone who wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah sorry, I did I I blew caution to the wind when I put Mr. William Cosby on there. Yeah. All right. He's a celebrity. He's not a loved celebrity, but he's still a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So I had Millie Bobby Brown, oh. John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know why. I was do, going do, all do, over do. the place. Uh, then Kevin Hart, The Rock, Nina DeBrev, Ian Somerhalder, uh, Will Smith, also one who's kind of eh. Yeah. Oh, I'm a fan of Will Smith. And then I put Kendall Jenner and then Kylie. The two I didn't I know. That's so weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? We all kind of name people. For whatever reason, I got to the Jenners and was like, K Jenner, I don't remember. Move, move, move. Here's where my brain was. I didn't name all the Kardashians, but I named the Cyruses. You didn't get all the Cyruses. You did. What? Oh. Um, I got nine total. I also have nine. Thirteen, baby. Ooh. We could do round two, I'm just saying. Yeah, do you want to pick a category and air yeah. and face off round mm-hmm, two? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, first Let's hand off, you a better pen. I have a better pen now. I'm okay. Good. I got it. Okay. Well, first off, I need. She only has one album. Tequila Tequila does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I'd be shocked she was if there was the more. biggest celebrity. I'll find it later. But it. It was bad. It was inappropriate. It exists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me think. Okay. 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 Can you hit the timer for us? Yeah. Do you want a minute or do you want a little longer? It's it's. I gave us a minute five seconds last time, so you can finish that last word. Mostly because I'm a spelling person. So I give it one minute five. That's what you want. Yep. Sure. Yes, please. Okay. I'll tell you your topic, and I'll give you like a couple seconds to think, and then I'll start it. Okay. okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. So like your category 
mythical creatures and or cryptids. Okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. Yep. Three, two, one, go. Stop. Okay. Some of them, I don't know if they make sense. Honestly, two of these. <clears throat> you wrote down so many. I did not. I'll have you go first, Sarah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to count one of these out. That's not fair. I did the tall grays and the short grays. That's stupid. Oh, I also right. did the grays, though. Okay. So, so that's aliens. fair. Cro- cro- that's fair. Cross them out. Yes. Yep. Reptilians? Nope. Uh, Bigfoot? Yes. Mothman? No. A siren? No. Mermaid? Nope. Hey, 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 hey. Those are real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aren't cryptids in oh, those? Yeah, that just means they haven't been cri- caught yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back. I take it yeah. back. Yeah. Hey. Hey. La Llorona? <laughs> nope. That's Chupacabra? Good. I have that one. Okay. A dragon? Nope. Nice. Sea serpent? Ooh. Well, I have Kraken. Is that different? Oh. I think sea a kraken, I different. think, would be it's a like big an octopus, and a sea serpent's more of a snake. Bit. Okay, okay, count them both. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. A demon? No. An angel? No. The mo monster? I do have that one. The what? The mo monster? Right? Yeah, Momo. Oh. And then I'm talking about me. <laughs> I put Babadook. Is that an actual cryptid, or is that just from the movie? I think it's a. I, th- uh, oh. I think it just means a scary person in a basement, right? Oh, I don't know if that's a... Let's Honestly, look it up. Okay. What is a Babadook? Let me let me get the Tila Tequila out of my search history here. What is a Babadook? Because again, I either then have nine or ten based on if we take Babadook. Oh, you would win either way. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. Oh, here's what you have, though. Um, it is just a movie. All right. I have nine. So that's like the only thing that's coming up. Fair enough. So I couldn't get out of my head. I just had, I just had like the Kraken, a Banshee. Ooh. Um, I had, I didn't know the name of it, so I don't know if it would make sense. Oh, is it, um, shoot, doesn't it start with like a C or something? The three-headed dog. Oh, I don't know what they're called, but I know what you're talking about. And then what was this? Is it spring Jack or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That one. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I think I got that right, but I don't know. So I only had Wow, guys. Okay. You really, you really listen. Yeah. To me. Of wow. course we do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So the the order is Morgan, Sarah, Aaron today. Yep. Wow. Awesome. There we go. Okay. Morgan, what you got? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, obviously, this is a group episode and we don't, you know, we try to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, <laughs> but so I'm going to give you a case that I really wanted Aaron to be covering and doesn't mean that, you know, in the future, maybe we won't do a deeper dive. Um, but... If you haven't heard of this case, you're in for a wild ride. If you have heard of it, maybe you'll learn some facts because I thought I knew the details about the case and I really didn't. And I think you ladies will be shocked at the names of cities and places where this case takes place. I don't like this. Okay. So on January 8th, 2007, a young boy, Ben Ownby, was getting off his school bus in Beaufort, Missouri. Oh. What? Uh-huh. Okay. And crazy thing is, a guy... So there's two different stories of how this was seen. Apparently, someone got off the bus with him who was... I think Ben was 13. And this person who was on the bus was like 15 or 16. 
story goes, either the kid who's older got off the bus with him and walked to his car that was parked right across the street in a parking lot. He wasn't really supposed to be driving, but he drove anyway. So he would take the bus from that pickup spot to school and then drive home. Or he just happened to be by his car, still within sight of where the bus was dropped off. There's two. There was two conflicting articles. Okay. Um, regardless, this 15 to 16 year old um, boy saw Ben get off the bus. And then within moments, a truck peeled out of the spot where the bus had just dropped all the kids off. Ew. Ew. Okay, so regardless, this car was close enough to where the bus was to see the whole incident. To see Ben get off the bus and to see the truck. So does that mean the truck was, like, just lying in wait? Yes. Ew, that's gross. Happenstance. Yeah. Ah. So, the crazy thing was that this 15-year-old boy, and, like, even in the videos I watched on YouTube and the articles I read, everyone was like, how did you remember this much details about the car? The kid was a car junkie. He knew makes models. You know, we love those. We love yes. those country boys. They know yes. their shit. Um, so he knew that he was able to provide the perfect description of the car. Uh, I believe a white Nissan truck that had rust over the wheel wells. Noted that like one of the back window handles was broken. Like you know how like how they have like some beds. Some trucks have like those like elevated like window covers like it goes over the truck bed to make it look taller camper shell camper shell Mm -hmm. yes it had like almost like a camper shell on it and like the handle was twisted and like kind of broken knew all these details sadly did not get the license plate though but still very specific truck yeah i mean that's a lot of detail yeah funny enough as soon as the description of the car was released a kirkwood emo's pizza manager yes kirkwood a shout out to our and my homies my emos hometown. harry st yeah. louis <laughs> knew exactly the description of the car because he knew that one of the managers that worked below him owned it no yeah yep. so at that point the manager of the emos went to the police and said hey i think this is this person's car um just i wanted to let you know good on him good yeah. on him very good and the crazy thing was is like the manager was like went and told the police and then the they felt in their hearts that they like knew that he was telling the truth but then they were like hey so about this manager below you michael devlin is his name mm-hmm. michael devil yeah michael devil where can you give us like where he was on january 8th was he at work he says funny enough he left mid-afternoon complaining that he wasn't feeling well hmm left around noon to go to kirk lived in kirkwood was in the kirkwood area beaufort right around there could get there easily from the time a school bus would be dropped off hmm Hmm. Yeah, because school bus drop-offs would be what, like two thirty, three ish in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Kirkwood to Buford's probably like an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Forty-five minutes. Yeah, that's enough time. At this time, the cops felt that they had enough to question him at least, so they went to the emos 
four days. This is all within four days. So again, he Ben Ombi was kidnapped on January 8th, 2007. So within four days. They are questioning him at Emo's. They pull him out back and they're like, and it's funny, the person, the video I watched, the woman detective who like initially was questioning him, mm-hmm. she was like, he would not look at me when we were in the restaurant. He would not make eye contact. I knew right away we knew that we had who we who it was. Yeah, he was showing signs of guilt. Yeah, and she was like, apparently, like even the people on the video that I watched, they she's like, I can't. I wish I I did not write her name down. Um, but I do have links to both the videos I watched. But okay, she is known to be like the best like <laughs> vibe checker in yeah. the, in oh, the okay. force. Like she's like, I know. She goes, I can just tell. Wow. I know exactly when someone's lying to me. It's terrible. Sure. They question him. His story's kind of not adding up. Then he confesses. So what normally Aaron's stories usually have a very tragic ending. I will say I had to take a true crime case that does have a happy ending. And not only does it have a happy ending for Ben, but it has a happy ending for another teen who was kidnapped. Whew. Four days. Bye. Yeah. Caught him. So, before I dive into who else was taken, I did read an article on all that is interesting, and it states, quote, so, just kidding, let me rewind. So, before I go into too much detail, the other person who was kidnapped was named Sean Hornbeck. He was 11 years old when he was kidnapped October 6th, 2002. Sean had been missing for four and a half years. My article that I read, all those interesting.com states, quote, Sean's case had gone cold and very little information about Ben was known. McNamara, who also led the investigation into the Golden State Killer, found many connections between the two boys. She linked the two abductions before the authorities did even in, and even used online maps to guess as to where they were being held. Wow. Oh. McNamara also correctly theorized theorized that Devin that Devlin was drawn to boys because they looked much younger than their actual ages. In fact, she came very close to solving the, the case for both boys um, on her true crime blog just a day before the investigators found them. Wow. Whoa. Yes. So I know, like, honestly, Michelle McNamara deserves her own episode because she's just a goddess and I don't even know everything I need to know about her. But she did lead the investigation and, like, clues and discoveries into helping find the Golden State Killer. So the fact that she knew it and Sean had been missing for four and a half years and then connected this completely to a four and a half years later to a totally different kidnapping. Like, you, amazing. So... Did they say why he changed, not to say this in the most disgusting way, but like his quote-unquote hunting grounds? Like, how did you go from Kirkwood to Beaufort? Those are two very different Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sean Hornbeck was taken from Richwoods, Missouri. Where is that? That's like uh, 45 minutes, hour, I think it's like an hour and a half. West? Southwest? Okay. I'll pull up maps. Maps will be on the, on the, on the, on the site. I can look drop pins and stuff um 
So the really freaky thing is, is everyone, when we mentioned in the beginning of the episode where Ben Owenby was taken from Beaufort, we have very, we have friends that live there. It's a I, tiny town. It's tiny. Yeah. It's, it's near a lot of like where our family and friends live. Like it's just, we know that name because it's close to Eureka, Pacific, like all that kind of stuff. Rich Woods um, is actually where my family owns campgrounds. Oh. So when I remember when this came out, like when his story was still relatively new, I mean, I was in second grade, but I still remember it because it was just crazy that this kid was taken. So not only (laughs) is he taken from nearby where my family has campgrounds, also I know his aunt. Oh wow. Ooh. She is like friends with my with my mom. Aww. So and obviously I didn't know that until I was older, but like just what a small world. Like very small. Just yeah. freaky. Also, <laughs> Michael Devlin has delivered pizza to my house. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Normally the pizzas would come from like a emo's right by me, but for some strange reason, like the calls were being routed to like a different I don't know what happened, but anyway, like I saw his picture come up and I was like I know for a fact he's delivered pizza to my house before. Ew, no, like I know for a, for a fact. Yeah. So anyways, um, crazy, crazy. So this is where, again, both boys are alive. They are found within four days of Ben being kidnapped. So four days versus four and a half years. Yeah. So we need to do a little rewind. Yes. And this is why either, I know this can be like a really touchy subject, but maybe like me or all of us or Sarah, I would love for us to cover Stockholm Syndrome because they, on the articles that I read and on the videos that I watched, they never referenced that as to classifying what happened with Sean. Mm-hmm. But, and he still, from what I can read online, still to this day has not publicly said everything that has happened to him. Oh, yeah. We yeah. do know, sadly, trigger warning, he was essayed he was almost murdered um he michael one day took him into the woods and started strangling him and was like on the edge of death and apparently sean was able to like calm him down and talk to him and he was like please don't kill me like i'll do anything you want any like anything i i don't want to die and he was like okay i won't kill you but you are mine like you are not allowed to leave you are not allowed to tell anyone who you are and sean was scared that he was going he could mike could michael could turn on him at any moment Mm -hmm. and think of how old he was too he wasn't he didn't have the concrete reasoning to think he was 11 yeah he was 11 oh that's so sad so people get a lot of in a lot of like an uproar over like why didn't you run away and things like that because Michael Devlin would go to work, mm-hmm. yeah, and leave Sean. For a while, though, you have to you have to understand he was handcuffed to a futon. Yeah. yeah, but after some time, he wasn't. He was allowed to go. Like they lived in an apartment complex. He made a friend of a, an, a like a younger kid his own age in the apartment complex, and Michael Devlin would let him go and play with him. Like, they would have sleepovers. They would, like, it was his friend. They even, on one of the videos I watched, interviewed the kid's parents. And they were like, we didn't think anything anything was wrong. He would just say, like, oh, yeah, my dad, my dad. And he would refer to Michael Devlin as his dad. And 
she goes, and we never got weird, weird vibes. We did question like why he didn't go to school with our son. Um, he just said he was homeschooled. Like we didn't, it's not our business. Like our kids, they got along and there was no trouble. So why mm. would we, you know? Again, also it was the 2000s. Like it was a different time, completely different time. Um, also you live in the same complex. So it's like, okay, I can literally see where my kid is walking to and from and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, I had neighbors that were homeschooled. It's not yeah. that weird, no. honestly. No. And what are they to do to, to question it? Like they, again, he, they said like he didn't seem undereducated. He didn't like, there was no lags. There was nothing. So like, it's not like he was in, acting like he was in trouble. The really crazy part is, of course, he's been gone for four and a half years. So in the mix of all of this, his parents made a website, um, like the Sean Hornbeck Foundation, I believe, to raise money and to have chat boards and people could like post tips and all this stuff. The cra- Honestly, the crazy one of the craziest things of this whole story is Sean got online and posted on the website under sean devlin and wrote how long are you going to look for your son trying to say something without saying something and again he's a young kid he's he doesn't know like he's trying to be like sneaky and his dad did get on the video and say like i did see that message and i scrolled through because i thought it like i didn't i didn't answer it yeah yeah why why would you like and he goes, I saw the name Sean and didn't, Sean Devlin and didn't think a thing of it. So he literally gave them clues as to where he was and who he was, like, living under. Hmm. Which I think is just, like, like, it's such an intense story. I know. Ooh, it is. Yeah. I know. So, um, let's see. Do you want to act of defiance that had to be to even post on that website when you're, quote, unquote, I'm not even gonna call him anything. He's a kidnapper was yeah. strangling you in the woods. Yeah. He um Michael Devlin like made him either say like he was his godfather or he was his dad, like mostly godfather at guardian, yeah. whatever. Um he's obviously a trash human. Um so the important thing to note is again, like everybody wants to question and everybody seems to be online like giving like cannot wrap their brains around why he didn't run away why he didn't like you will never understand until you are in that situation oh yeah yeah i'm gonna ask them to kindly step off right you can think about it all right now until you're actually like thrown in there and everything like completely changes once you're in that kind of a situation his life was put on the line at a very early age and i think he knew the power was not in his hands he Mm -hmm. survived yes he is a survivor like that's all that matters yes he did what he needed to do to survive yeah also when you're that young like he did reference it like one time like and this is exactly where my mind went was that he was scared he was gonna that michael was gonna kill his parents yeah Mm -hmm. they do that they say that a lot they say that a lot like and again i'm only like saying everything with like a grain of salt because truly like i don't want to say the incorrect thing and i do know for a fact he still has not come out from what he said on the articles and this was like because i think it's like the 15 year it was like the 15 year Mm -hmm. this year or last year um, he hasn't even told his parents everything. And his parents are so sweet and so cute. They're like, we're here when you're ready. Yeah. Like, we're never going to judge you. Like, it was just, uh, I was breaking down. Um, But again, so thanks to, sadly, Ben being kidnapped, he helped solve a four and a half year mystery. And 
I just think overall it's just crazy that this is like the smallest world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear like, oh, it happened in St. Louis, and you're like, oh no. But like, these are like three big areas where you're like, hello, hometown. Like, yeah. what up? Like, oof. Yeah, I remember when it like. I mean, it was everywhere on the news. That was what I remember. I watching it with my parents and being like, what the heck is going on? Yep. yep. Well, yeah, because the place Sean Hornback was kidnapped from, I just looked it up. You said it's Richwoods? Yeah. That's not a big, t- like, it's not a no, big city. No, so no, if no, you no, go no. missing there, it's not like the Texas killing fields where people are coming in right. and out all the time. This is a small town, and so is Beaufort. Yeah. yeah. And and again, true crime is not my normal forte, so I'm sorry if I didn't tell this in the best order like Aaron does, or I tried to make it somewhat suspenseful. But oh, no, you're good. The, the crazy thing, too, is like, so I told you in the beginning how sh- how Ben was kidnapped right off the school bus. Sean was actually riding his bike to his friend's house and took a not very used dirt path. And both of these times, they Michael Devlin says it was the right place, right time. Like he was not, he had, it just happened to be there. Ew, what a snake laying in wait. Oh, and the crazy, the like, not even crazy, I can't say craziest, but he literally was driving down the dirt road behind sean and hit him with his car hit his bike with his car to make him like tip over like what you're he's 11 that's just like i can't my brain cannot i will say when i read that article about from michelle mcnamara and saying like why he chose those boys like they do both look way younger than than their age than their age He was like 11 and to me, like, I don't know kids' ages very well, but he did not look 11. I think he looked more like eight. Okay. Um, Just very, very young. Um, Ben also looks very, very young. They're just, they were innocent kids. Like, yeah. all in all, it doesn't matter how old they were or how old they looked. They're innocent kids that were subject to terrible things. And, and like, I can't say Sean had it worse, Ben had it worse. Like, your childhood was partially destroyed because of this person oh and for sure shaken because now you know evil exists before your parents would want you to know that yeah and like where's how do you trust anything i would like like i my my safety would just be always on my mind it would it would consume me like honestly yeah so um the good news is according to fox 2 news article devlin did plead guilty in a surprising turn of events he was going to plead not guilty to go to trial and last minute he pled guilty are you serious yeah huh. yeah save everyone the trial we know you did it yeah yeah so <laughs> again devlin pled guilty to all charges and received 74 life sentences in an additional term of 2020 years he was transferred to western missouri correctional center in cameron missouri he will not be eligible for parole until he is 100 years old Perfect. end quote so what a fairy tale ending right yeah. and also just like i think it's one of those final like one of those cases where it's like finally the adequate justice is served in my eyes whether you're pro death penalty or not people who do terrible things like that to anyone deserve to be in jail um like not to get up on a high horse but like people who essay someone and then they're well you get parole within like six months like yeah. what or probation like well, the thing is no at any time in those four years you could have made a better decision and also you did it twice to two different children which tells me you were not going to stop after two kids oh, sean was gosh. sean said he was so scared because he thought he was gonna kill sean because yeah. he brought in getting replaced 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he said those four days, those last four days were, he thought he was going to die. Yep. Just in the middle of Kirkwood, Missouri. Woohoo. And this episode is... was not sponsored by Emos. Yeah. <laughs> and no, 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 no. Uh, emo, Enos. Enos. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is the case of Ben Ownby and Sean Hornbeck. And fuck Michael Devlin. Thank you. <laughs> That is all. Okay, that is all. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay, mine's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> is it a bit lighter, maybe? Um, it's something different. All right. So I'm going to discuss today um, UFO disclosure. Huh? Yeah, so who's surprised? I got to do a Morgan story, and I was like, cryptids are basically aliens. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here. Do, yes. you think, do you think aliens like Muscatrolli? I don't know that aliens really would eat the same diet we eat. I mean, Muscatrolli is full of vitamins. And <laughs> vitamins for your aliens. Okay. All right, all right. So today right. I'm going to talk about the ever-growing movement for governments around the world to fully disclose the research and possible suppression of information of extraterrestrial beings. I'm sorry, is this your dissertation? <laughs> it might be. Also, I just got chilies on the right side of my neck. I think it was the deep megahertz I'm yeah. putting through the mics. That, that's what it was. That's what For it was. For sure. Um, so UFOs and or UAPs, which, um, just so you guys know, UAP is the new term for a UFO. So just a little bit like nerd jargon for you. UFO is unidentified flying object. UAP is unidentified aerial object. Or wait, aerial phenomena. Hmm. Oh, Tomato, tomato. There's things in the air. We don't know what they are. That's what they're called. Okay. I mean, cool. Yeah. In 2013, there was a citizen's hearing on disclosure in Washington, D.C. High-ranking military officials, scientists, and government officials testified to the information they knew about the phenomenon and why it's important that everyone else is allowed to know, too. In our country. <laughs> um, before we can talk about the hearing, though, I need to introduce you guys to Paul Hellier. He is a hellier of a time. Oh, oh my God. I didn't write that joke in, but it, it sounds like I did. Okay. He is a retired prime minister of defense for our neighbor to the north, Canada. And this beautiful soul, he went on record in 2005 to admit that extraterrestrials, yes, they are real. Oh. Um, and when he went public, this made him the first cabinet-level member of a G8 country to admit that. And G8 just means... um. It's this boys club of all the really, like, I don't know how to better say, like, wealthy nations. So, like, Canada, the UK, America, um, I think maybe Italy's in it. There's a few more. And, like, there was a big discussion, like, if Russia could be in it or not. It's like an exclusive club. It's literally an exclusive club people. that's not governed by anything because it's not an official, like, you have to pay to get in here. Hmm. Yeah, it's a boys club. Hmm. So, it's like the Elks Lodge, but different higher stakes elf elks lodge for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't hunting elk i can tell you that um, <laughs> oh it's not i thought for sure they'd be like hunting and then talking about it a lodge <laughs> no i'm not a hunter. serious or not well like i know the ones like in pacific probably not but i assume you know what i'm gonna shut up because your eyes say i'm way left 
As you can tell, I do a lot of reading on aliens, not things from our planet. <laughs> Listeners, if you know what the Elks Lodge is, can you just send me a private message so Morgan doesn't see that I need your help? Thank you. <laughs> I'll learn in private. <laughs> oh my god, girl, get back on track with your aliens, because I'm dying over here. <laughs> okay. Um... So yes, he admits that. And he said, yes, extraterrestrials are real. And yes, we have known about them. Bro, what the fuck? Oh, just you wait. Um, Okay, so Vice did a great video interview with him where he explains his whole origin story. He said he was the prime minister for defense in Canada during the 60s. And yes, UFO tips would come to him. And he said he wasn't really a believer or a skeptic. He defined himself as, or not defined, he described himself as an agnostic. Like, yes, I can see how they would be real, but I'm going to need like some real hard proof to even think this is anything. Um, At the time, he was also trying to unify all the armed forces branches of his country. And he didn't really care about anything else outside that mission because that was, it's a lot of work. Um, After a time, there was a colleague of his that started sending him convincing evidence and stories. And some of that added up to what he had already received reports of. Something else his colleague sends him is the book The Day After Roswell. I don't like that. I'm already upset. Well, I do want to put in a little business PSA for everyone out there. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea to go to like the after work dinners and drinks. Um, but if you want that tea, you got to go for the tea. You That's, know true. That? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yes. Um, so... Hellyer had known someone that knew someone in a high-ranking retired U.S. Air Force general role. Does mm. that make sense? Like, because he knew this person who knew another person who had gone to drinks, he had a connection to someone who could actually substantiate these claims. What does it all triangle back to? Drinks. <laughs> drinks. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you ain't wrong. So anyway, the middleman was a skeptic, but he's like, yeah, you know what? As a personal favor to Hellyer, I'll... I'll reach out. He said, you know, I don't believe in it, but I have an old friend who's going through something. (laughs) Can you put his mind at ease? Yeah. The general did not do that. Um, Hellier was able to get a call from this general. In the words of Hellier, before he could even say, quote, how are you? The general said, everything in that book, the day after Roswell, it's true and more. Like, he's like, hey, this is Paul. He's like, hear ya, shut up. I'm telling you this is real. Oh. Very serious. Dude, what? And if you don't know, which first of all, I've not read The Day After Roswell, but you bet your happy ass it's in my Audible. I was going (laughs) to say, if you have it, I know you're about to. (laughs) Yes, please hold. Um, So if you don't know, the Roswell incident is a, quote, supposedly crashed UFO outside of Roswell, New Mexico in the 1940s. And it's one where actual ET bodies were collected. It's been a cause for a lot of ufologists to ask for disclosure. Stop. Is that really what they're called? Yes, it's UFOologist ufologists. Oh. I think their group is called UFON. I am going to rocket out of here. Oh, <laughs> And I know God. if I'm wrong, someone's going to write in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no. The general did not stop at Roswell, though. Oh, no, buddy. Oh, no. Um, instead, he went on to explain that there have been, and I cannot get enough hands on this, face-to-face conversations or meetings with our U.S. government and ETs. Also, there are different species of ETs living on our Earth right now. 
No. Some, Some of them look just... like praying mantises. Did you tell that little or that big? Like big, like people? Um, look up what a reptilian alien looks like. They're terrifying. Oh. It's like predator versus alien. They look like giant praying mantises. Did you tell Brooke not to listen to this episode? I think we all should. If we're telling her that Buford is under attack, right, <laughs> mantises are on the earth. I mean, I that think- was 2007, but... It- we can, we can, disclaimer, <laughs> should have been at the top of the episode, sorry, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dedicated listener who I don't think will be dedicated to this episode. That's fine. No, no, no. Um, it's worth it to get the truth out to the people. Says Sarah. <laughs> Says Sarah. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, some of them look like praying mantises. Mantises. Mantisai. Mantisai. <laughs> some of them are typical small greys. But there's honestly too many species to go through them all. With the information he had received over the years and the assurance from a high-ranking general, Hellier decided to go public. He said, quote, They are as real as the airplanes you see flying over your head. He said, I'm going to give him Hellier. Oh, yeah. Okay, but here's my thing. Sorry. I'll wait. I'll wait. No, no, no. no. What's up? Open forum. If they're real. Not saying they're not. I'm not, I'm pro something else being out there. Don't you think, like, pilots would see them? Like, on radar? I'm glad you said that. Oh. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Let me see if I wrote that one down, but if not, I'll, I'll give you some information. Okay. So, this opened the floodgates of information being sent to him. Because, I mean, he went on television and was like, hey, guys, it's me, your boy Paul, and uh, I think <laughs> ETs are real. So, skadoosh. A lot of stuff started getting sent to him, like, this is our boy Paul. He's going to do it. He's going to tell everyone in the world. Um, Hellier said what a lot of ufologists state, and that is that aliens had been visiting our planet for thousands of years. However, the sightings and visions multiplied like crazy after the atomic bombs were created and detonated. Okay. His theory is that every time we do something catastrophic to our actual planet like that, it's felt throughout the universe. Like, we are just part of an ecosystem, and we have no idea what else it's affecting. They're coming down to say, shut the fuck up and get it together, guys. Yes. Another theory he posed was, we are like children playing with matches. So your parents are going to start really watching you after you find out where that match drawer is. (laughs) ETs don't want us to blow up our planet. Because they want to control us? I, I think... I don't want to go into any of the bad stuff. Look at my eyes. <laughs> there are some tears. Yeah. I'm watering already. <laughs> oh, no. I can barely control my own body. I don't think they want me. <laughs> <laughs> that may be why they want you. Oh, my God. Do dun, think, dun. Do you think I am Marty? Dun, dun. You think that's why I'm so messed up? Like, why I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm so chaotic because the aliens like, don't know what to do with me. Oh, my God, Morgan. You're turning into a praying mantis. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the sound praying mantis is <laughs> For sure, for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, man. If this was a visual podcast, you all would have been blown away with my acting <laughs> skills. Yeah, we're still looking for someone who can edit a video. <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah, we got our sound figured out. Step two. Um, okay, this led aliens to start taking more inventory inventory, inventory on where our military bases and Russia's military bases are. So, yeah, don't worry. It's not just us. It's everybody who has these weapons. Um, and this is exactly what Captain Robert Salas testified on. This is exactly what Captain Robert Salas testified 
on April 30th, 2013, during that citizen's hearing for disclosure. He stated that on March 16th, 1967, a UAP, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UFO, call it what you want, was reported flying around this underground nuclear-tipped missile launch control site, which I know is a very long title. Um, basically, it's where we keep the information for our nuclear weapons. Cool. Well, not all of them, but like one certain section. It's the control site. So I guess like if something's wrong with the computer coding, that's where it is. Like if you're going to send these off, you have to push the button from this control site. Okay. And he gives a lot of details and it is terrifying. Okay. So he was at the base that was located below ground, like several levels underground. But the guard at the surface phoned him saying there was an odd craft. And also the craft was not behaving the way you would think like a plane or helicopter would. Yes, he said the craft was pulsating lights and they were, quote, not airplanes because they weren't making any noise and they weren't helicopters because they were making really strange maneuvers and he just couldn't explain it. Captain Salas told his team to make sure that the craft didn't enter the premise. Like, you know what? They can be weird in the forest. If they cross our lines, it's going to be an issue. 30 minutes later, the guard calls back and was very frightened. He said, sir, there's a glowing red object hovering right outside the gate now. I have all men out here with their weapons drawn. Salas then grabbed his commander and together they saw that each of their missiles were shutting down one by one. They were going into what he called a, quote, no-go state, meaning they could not be launched. He goes into a lot of details that I, a little technical. Like, wait, they're going, they're shutting down with, with, like, Oh, so like someone else is doing it yes oh my um, god he yeah so he goes to a lot of details but to sum it up the way these things are built they should not be able to one randomly shut down and even if they do shut down which is rare multiple shutting down at the same time is unheard of especially because all of these are independent of each other so like they aren't on the same yeah, like extension to- cord <laughs> it should be a different thing they're shutting down every time um, <laughs> are you sure to say the plot to a movie and you just lie into us right now <laughs> it's the movie i'm writing um wait it sounds good keep yeah, going thank you. <laughs> as soon as the eighth out of his 10 missiles goes down the ufo darts away in the same type of incident had been reported one week earlier from another u.s missile site he said after a lot of investigation it was ruled a computer error, and he was advised to never speak of the incident. Not to his coworkers, not to his wife, not to his family. He mm. also had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> That's funny. When a computer goes down that you can't tell your wife. That's really <laughs> funny. That's so funny. In the trial, I watched his little snippet, and at that point, he laughs. He, like, physically, he's like, can you believe that? I'm telling you there's no way it's a computer error, and they're telling me it's a computer error. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if it was an error, why, why'd you let that happen? If it's an error, why'd that happen? And how did it happen a week apart from another one? Exactly and why is the there same? a glowing red light outside the thing? Yes. If it was a test, why didn't you say it was a test? Yes. Sounds fake to me. So it's because of stories like that and a lot of data that could be substantiated that the citizen's disclosure agreement happened in 2013. So really quick, I want to let you know what the citizens' disclosure hearings were. They were unofficial hearings that allow people to give recorded testimony to retired Congress officials. Whoa. Basically, 
It's citizens making their case to respected people. It's not being heard by current active lawmakers, but it is a way for the people to testify and get something on record. Um, I've seen a lot of very harsh pushback from the Daily Beast, looking at you, um, about the hearings because the organization, the organization who set this event up, Paradigm Research Group, paid each retired Congress member 20 grand to be there. Oh, wow. But I do want to say again, this is not an official hearing where laws are being made. There's no warrants for arrest. Um, The people testifying are instead trying to just really be heard and possibly change the mind of a few more respectable people. Um, And no matter how many holes you poke in the Congress people, the people testifying were high-ranking scientists, doctors, military personnel, and they were not paid. Poof. So it's not just like, you know, someone down the street yeah. being like, here's what I've seen. <laughs> it's not that their stories aren't important. Yeah, either. true. I think the point of this, though, is like these people, like they're putting their jobs on the line. Just they're letting this. you know they've seen this and we've given them a lot of respect throughout the year. So respect them now as well. Um, an- another stone cast at Paradigm is that it wanted to use some of the footage from the unofficial hearing for their upcoming documentary. Um, but they were actually very open about this. They were like, yeah, we we want to have video of people testifying that they care enough to do this. Um, and it doesn't mean people testifying were not being honest. Which, by the way, this hearing had a shared purpose with the Paradigm Research Group, which is just getting more information out about what the government knows about our unidentified aerial phenomena. And in the spirit of check-all information... Which, if we're being honest, you should always do when talking about UAPs and UFOs. Um, I did a little extra research on the Paradigm Research Group. And admittedly, um, their site does look like a comp- conspiracy website. <laughs> um, it's run by someone from Ancient Aliens, actually. His name is yes. Stephen Bassett. Oh, my God. Currently, something else they're investigating is the Clinton connection to UFO cover-ups. Or... Was it a choice made by the Rockefeller family to hide all this information? <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I don't really care. I mean, as a brain experiment, yes, but realistically, no. Um, but if I think about it, oh, sorry. If you think about it, if there's a lot of suspicion around something and the government only releases very redacted and conflicting documents, something is happening. So it's kind of a natural reaction, I think, of humans to jump to like worst case scenario and like just get suspicious. Make any connection you can. So while I think some of it sounds more wild, I do still think that the people who testified and testified on camera, they had everything to lose and they testified on a very taboo subject. So that tells me something is happening. Something we don't know. It's a lot of people, right? Yes. Um, I also watched an interview with Captain Salas after his testimony and he made some really great points. Um, he was asked, how can we be certain that it was ETs that shut down his missiles? And he said, quote, we still don't have the technology to do what was done in the 60s. Like, do what those missiles did in the 60s. Or excuse me, those ETs. Not only do we not have it, we couldn't do it on our own machines if we wanted to. If we did have that tech, we wouldn't be so worried when other countries start to get nuclear weapons. We could simply go in and turn them off. Yeah. And in my opinion, that logic is pretty sound. That's true. Yes. Um, there were a lot of testimonies. I only picked the two that I think were the biggest like impact, but there was quite a bit. Um, and with that in mind, I want to leave you with a quote from our man, Paul Hellyer. 
He said, quote, taxpaying citizens are quite capable of accepting the new and broader reality that we live in a cosmos teeming with life of various sorts. Tell us what's happening. <laughs> or at least show us the documents to prove that these aren't suspicious. Um, the need to know basis is bullshit. That's all I have. Yeah, I'd like that. Show us the documents. Um, <laughs> but per usual, I went down so many rabbit holes. This is not where my research started. He said um, pilots. Yes, there has been a lot of information coming out because what started this was um, last year in 2021, the U.S. Rec- disclosed like a six-page document, very redacted, very boring. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, they're saying UFOs are real. I kind of remember that. It was, yeah, I think it was going around like yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. they had like, let's say, 80 cases. They went through, they were able to solve four of them. And the rest, they're like, yeah, we don't know. So... They weren't saying it's aliens. They just said, we don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of scary that you don't know what it is, but oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But some of those were like a famous Tic Tac incident. It's these pilots. Yes. These pilots caught. Um, no. <laughs> they caught these. Imagine like a big tube Tic Tac white flying over the ocean, doing these crazy maneuvers. And pilots were out there like this, A, shouldn't be happening in our airspace. B, I don't know how they're doing this because we can barely keep up with like their twists and turns. See what the fuck is this? Um. So yeah, if you want to see some pilot stuff, it is coming. Wait, so out. still don't, we still don't know what it is. No. So it's a tic tac. It's a giant tic tac. Look up. Um. You can watch after this. The tic tac incident. Incident. Tic tac. Tic tac. But yeah, that is what I have on UFO disclosure. Wow. They are trying to bring it forward, and some of these stories are pretty convincing. Sarah. That's so yes. interesting. Yes. Oh, I was like, give me more. What don't we know? I liked your little snippet. If there's more cases like that, I would love to hear you okay. cover them. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I also liked his closing remark, though. Like, we're literally taxpaying citizens. You should be able to tell us what's happening. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit. We can yes. deal. We can handle it. Yeah. We're big kids. Mm-hmm. I'll sign off on it. I'll sign an NDA. I don't care. <laughs> Sarah's like, I got this. Don't worry, mm-hmm. guys. I'll carry the weight of the world. All right, Aaron. Speaking of carrying the weight of the world, what psychology do you have? Well, Study. I will pose some questions first. Oh, boy. Does nature or nurture affect us the most? So is it our DNA that, you know, shapes us or do our life experiences determine our, like, personality and behaviors? Do you want to know something super freaking weird? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to jinx myself, and normally I'm not a big jinx person, but this is the fourth time now that I have thought of something that I like am deep in thought about or I, I am going to predict that happens and i knew that you were going to talk about this oh you did i had a when i sat down here i was like you know i don't know what hit me but like wes and i are obviously like thinking about kids uh-huh. and we might adopt and i was like man but you know when you adopt a kid it's all it's all n- nurture not nature. Uh-huh. When you have a kid, it's both or can be both. And I was like, it would be cool if Aaron covered that. In a way, yeah. But like, like that's weird. Yeah. Also, I knew, the, I knew the power was going to go out of my work on Thursday and it did. Oh, that's weird. I know. Guys, do you I- wake up and make predictions every day? No, like, that's the thing. About it, or are you just like, it's a feeling? It's just, it's a feeling and it's more like going to happen within like an hour. Listeners, wow. if this has happened to you, can you write in? Because I feel a future sewed cooking up. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you got- Sinister Sunrise Podcast at Gmail. Yeah. Although social medias were there. Please DM us. I want to know if you've had like a serendipitous moment or yeah. like a you That's saw a vision. I don't know, man. That's wild. I'm trying not to get like too excited about it, but uh-huh. it's really weird. Well, so I asked you those questions. Uh, Dr. Peter Neubauer, a renowned psychiatrist, was hoping to answer that question in his own study. He got the idea from child psychologist Viola Bernard, a consultant to the Louise Wise Adoption Agency in New York, who believed that separating identical children <gasps> would help their psychological development. They would be able to thrive independently versus the chance that they would be raised the exact same, dressed in the same clothes, so on and so forth. Gotcha. Um, I love this. <laughs> I know where this is going, and I'm so excited. (laughs) So Neubauer wanted to separate children's environment from their genes, so he took identical siblings from the Louise Wise Adoption Agency, which mainly served the Jewish community, and intentionally separated them after they had been together for six months, placing each child in a different socioeconomic background. Okay, I will say I'm not excited about that part. I do not condone separating Family, yeah. Just sorry. PSA. I, yeah. Thank you. We'll get into that too. Um, So one child was placed in an affluent home versus the other that would be placed in like a middle or working class type home. Neubauer's study was carried out in secret in the 1960s. The adoptive parents were told that their child was already part of an ongoing study on adoptive children that had been born around the same time, but what they weren't told was that their child had siblings. I think it's insane just how much our country is like the Wild West until like 10 years ago. Like, oh, it's an ongoing study. Never you mind. Never like, you mind what we're doing. Anything, anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, wild. It's Sometimes psych needs to be reeled back in. Okay. We are crazy monkeys. Everyone calm down. Mm-hmm. But what would be worse if the parents knew or that they don't know? Like, could you imagine being that parent that's like, I don't care. Give me that kid. Oh. If they knew, they'd probably mess up the study by trying to get the kids together. But again, that's what, it's that's what I'm lives. saying. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's all very, that's a lot of sticky. Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, sticky, <laughs> icky. <laughs> icky, Vicky. Sorry. Ooh, mm-hmm. icky, Vicky. You're ooh, so ooh. icky. The sound of your name makes me feel so sicky. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Did you hear me go, ooh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> My favorite. Oh, what singer is that? My shiny teeth that twinkle. Oh, yes. Just yes. Like stars Chip Skylark. Chip Skylark. Yes. yes. Also, the fact that his name is Chip, that's kind of scary because his teeth, you know? Oh, don't chip those teeth, Chip Skylark. Mm-mm. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm back laughs> oh, no, you are good. Uh, Lawrence Wright, author of Twins and What They Tell Us About Who We Are, says Neubauer followed these children for 15 years, documenting their firsts, such as their first steps and their first time riding a bike. These kids were also required to take a slew of tests like IQ tests, personality tests, motor tests, and uh, the Rorschach inkblot tests. They were given those too. As the children became older, the tests became more complex. Neubauer never gave the parents any explanations regarding the home visits and tests they were administering. Um, so keeping up the whole, we're just doing this study and this is what, you know, we're supposed to do. Which again is wild. Yeah. Yes. They are now your literal legal parent. Yes. Never you mind what we're doing behind the curtain. Uh-huh. uh-huh. The study ended in 1980 around the same time New York required that adoption agencies keep siblings together. 
Neubauer never published his research, possibly to avoid any backlash for separating the children in his study, uh, but no one knows the exact reason why the study was halted. My story doesn't end there, or else it would be super duper short. <laughs> uh, so that same year, 19-year-old Robert Bobby Schaffrin is walking around trying to find his dorm on his first day at Sullivan County Community College when a group of students approaches him. They are asking him about his summer and basically acting like they know him. They are giving him high fives, and uh, girls even come up to him and kiss him, telling him how glad they are that he's come back. Uh, Bobby is completely lost, though, because he has no idea who these people are. Oh, my God. He gets to his dorm, and he hears people yelling Eddie at him. He tells them they've got the wrong guy, but they just think, you know, he's joking with them. Oh, my God. Yeah, imagine seeing Aaron on campus and being like, Aaron, she's like, uh, my name's Meg. You can only make a Tron if you want, but, like, yeah, Aaron's yeah, on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he finally makes it to his room when a guy named Michael Domnitz knocks on the door. Michael is friends with Eddie and knows that Eddie, like, isn't planning on returning to school. He takes one look at Bobby and asks him if he's adopted and if his birthday is July 12th, 1961. Oh, my God. I just got chills. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bobby's like, yeah. Bobby is the puzzle solver. Yeah, like, what's going on? Uh, And Michael tells him, well, you must have a twin brother because you are the spitting image of my friend Eddie Galland. Bobby follows Michael to a phone booth and they actually call Eddie up. Bobby takes the phone from Michael and is surprised to hear his voice on the other line. He learns that Eddie was also adopted through Louise Wise Services and was also born on July 12th, 1961. They drive to um, Eddie's house where Bobby gets confirmation that he and Eddie are indeed identical twins. When Eddie opened the door, it was like Bobby was looking in a mirror. Oh my god. Yeah. Whoa, it's like the parent trap. Yeah. Whoa, (laughs) but like not as cute. No, definitely not. (laughs) Howard Schneider, a journalist at Newsday, hears about Eddie and Bobby's story. He didn't think it was real until they asked a journalist to meet the boys in person. And the journalist reports back and he's like, oh yeah, this this is true. (laughs) Yes. Their tale gets featured in the local New York Post, and then it ends up circulating throughout the United States. The story captivates a lot of people, but a few are shocked when they see the picture of the twins, which happens to look exactly like their friend, David Kelman. What? What? They tell David about the article, and they show him the picture. David tries to reach out to Eddie, but Eddie's mom actually answers the phone. She tells David he is at home, and she's like, why are you calling? He says he saw the story in the paper and thinks he, Eddie, and Bobby are triplets. Oh, my. Crank up the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a turn of events. Uh, And he's pretty sure Eddie's mom dropped the phone as she said, quote, oh, my God, they are coming out of the woodwork. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else you would react to that either. Oh, my God. Oh, my right leg is numb. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. According to Schneider, when asked about their reunion, one of the triplets, um, he believes it was Eddie, said, quote, I don't know if this will turn out to be great or terrible, end quote. Yeah. All, um, yeah, all three men get together and discover that they eerily, in a way, have similar interests. They like the same movies, smoke the same brand of cigarettes, were interested in older women, and had wrestled during their school years. Oh, my God. 
And I believe they like all grew up within like a 100 mile radius of each other. And they each had older adopted sisters who had also been placed by the Louise Wise Adoption Agency. Yeah. I'm really imagining that Spider-Man meme where it's three Spider-Man. Like all pointing at each other. Yes. Wait. Wait. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That definitely applies. Do you like older women? What's that favorite (laughs) brand? What is it? Did you you wrestle? (gasps) Who wrestled? (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) I'm not my own person. That's exact. Like my mind would be like, I don't know. Like, are you your own individual person? I know. But they are different too. Just because you have similar tastes in something like... Hi, yeah, we all, yeah. all three of us like weird shit, but we're all very different. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you think about it, I'm sure they are mo- like finding out that you have, yeah. I mean, triplets, let alone a twin, um, mm-hmm. finding out that you have identical siblings, like you probably focus on like, what do we have in common versus exactly. what do we not have in common? Mm-hmm. Also, if I were to push back, I would say maybe wrestling like a more, like certain body types are better at wrestling. Yeah. And also if wrestling's a bigger sport in that area, that would make sense. Yeah, if they're in with a hundred mile radius, it's not like they're in different climates or Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's the only thing I can push back on though. <laughs> this is crazy. Yes. Okay. yes. The only differences um they could account for was the social class they grew up in and the relationships they had with their adoptive families. So David grew up in a wealthy family in an affluent area of New York. His father was a physician and his mother was an attorney. Due to his father's profession, he wasn't around a lot, but he was, like, always proud of David. Um, So it seems like they had a good relationship. Eddie was adopted by a middle-class family. His father was a teacher and had an authoritarian parenting style. Their relationship was pretty rocky, from what I've read and heard, so they didn't have the best relationship. Robert was placed in a working-class family. His parents had immigrated to America his father owned a grocery store and was very warm and loving. Oh, yeah. Their story does get them a bit of fame. They would get recognized in clubs. They were featured in all kinds of newspapers and magazines. They appeared on television segments. And when asked a question, they sometimes would all respond with the same answer at the exact same time. Their stardom even got them a cameo in the movie Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah, so they're just in a brief little, little part of it. The brothers hung out often, possibly to make up for lost time. They got an apartment together and made it their own bachelor pad. They they even went into business together, opening up their restaurant Triplets in Manhattan in 1988. Oh my god! This is kind of cute. Yeah, Yeah. it ended up being um, a big success for them, ranking in a million dollars in their first year. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's a lot for the first year in a restaurant industry. Yeah. yeah. But in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Damn. And they would have like, they would be dancing in the restaurant too. They would get people up and talk to them. And it, it just seemed like a big like party place. That's cool. Yeah. Because isn't it something crazy like 70% of restaurants fail their first year? Oh. I don't know the and exact they made percentage. A million but dollars. A lot. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The brothers were also quick to help each other out. For example, Eddie had to get his appendix removed, but he didn't have insurance, so he went to the hospital as Bobby, since Bobby (laughs) had that coverage. So hopefully Bobby never needs his appendix out. (laughs) Jesus. I love that. Yeah. Each of the brothers also found love and were a part of each other's weddings. They uh, also decided to look for their birth mother, which surprisingly wasn't hard for them to figure out since the New York library contained birth records. 
Uh, so yeah, it was pretty easy to flip through and see like b- birth, birth, birth in the same year. How many triplets? Yeah, were yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They did end up meeting her in person. And while, you know, they got some closure, um, seemed to be like a good conversation, they didn't form any like close relationship with her, which, oh yeah, yeah, they got their answers. That, that was about it. The triplets' adoptive parents were ecstatic about their reunion, but they were shocked that not a single one of them had been informed that their adoptive son had siblings. They decided as a group to visit the Louise Wise Adoption Agency to get answers, but they weren't satisfied with what they were told. The parents were informed that the triplets were separated because they believed it would have been difficult to place all three children in one family. Okay. Which all of the parents were like... That's BS because we would have taken them all. Also, like, you don't know. Yes. You don't get to make that decision. Also, like, mm-hmm. you didn't even give us the option. Yeah. Well, and that's the answer they're giving them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parents felt like the agency was withholding information, so they attempted to lawyer up, which seemed like that was going to be their best bet to get the answers they wanted. But then the lawyers turned away their case, stating they had associates who were in the process of adopting children through the agency. So they didn't want to take the parents' case uh, and the chance that it would, like, affect their associates' adoption process. Which is... <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah. They had dice in the game. Mm-hmm. Or no, skin in the game. Skin in the game, yeah. 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 <laughs> Starting their restaurant business together seemed like a great idea at the time, but it actually seemed to end up, like, ruining their relationship. Since they never had the chance to grow up together, they were learning about their personalities and behaviors as adults. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is not an easy thing. They argued constantly over their different work ethics. Bobby decided to quit the business, which further hurt his relationship with his brothers, Uh, What's also really interesting is that the triplets had struggled with mental health issues throughout their life. According to ifstudies.com, all three brothers presented with separation anxiety when they were young children. Hmm. Funny. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Their parents would find them banging their heads against the bars of their crib or slamming their heads against the wall. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All of them had symptoms of depression um, throughout different times in their lives. And when they were teenagers, they were admitted or received care at a psychiatric facility. Bobby, I I had to look this up. I had to look more into it because I was like, wait, what? Uh, So Bobby was even involved in a murder case. Whoa. He was charged in the 1978 murder of 83-year-old Elodie Henschel. He and his 19-year-old friend Morgan Goodman had broken into Henschel's room, uh, excuse me, home to rob her. Bobby testified against Goodman, stating his friend beat Henschel to death with a crowbar in order to get her diamond ring off her finger, which the teenagers later took to a pawn shop. Oh, guys, oh what? Yeah. yeah, this is the one that had the loving family too. Uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Goodman was acquitted on a technicality while Bobby was sentenced to five years probation and community service. So he was required. For murder? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Witness to murder? Accessory to murder, maybe? I don't know. This is getting dicey. I know. It's really weird. Um, but 
it just kind of ends, the story just ends there. He was required to work at a school for disabled children every weekend. That was part of his community service. I wouldn't trust him no. around anyone that depends on you. I know. Go pick up trash on the highway, you freak. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah. One of the like interviews with the triplets, like someone in the audience like asked him this question. I guess she did her research and he said it was his friend and he was like covering for other people. But I mean, I have no idea. That's sketchy as hell. Very sketchy, yeah. Um, but yeah, that just kind of story stops there. Really don't know what the <laughs> true story is. Can't get away from the murder, can you? Yeah. yeah. No. no. <laughs> we literally didn't even. <laughs> I'm not even looking for it, and it's right there in my face. I had to look it up. Uh, Eddie suffered from mental health issues the most. After Bobby left the business, he started to become erratic. He would call people he hadn't seen or spoken to, like, in 10 years in the wee hours of the morning. He was admitted to a psychiatric hospital where they determined he was exhibiting symptoms of manic depression. He was only admitted for three weeks before he was released, and he returned back to work. When Eddie didn't show up to work uh, at the restaurant on the morning of June 16th, 1950, oh, 1950, wow, 1995, <laughs> A family member went to his house to check on him and discovered his body. Oh, no. Eddie was 33 years old when he unalived himself. 33? Yeah. Oh, Eddie. Yeah. Triplets ended up closing in 2000, and Bobby and David lost touch after that. However, it seems like they have rekindled their friendship, and they are on better terms now. British director Tim Wardle was interested in the triplet story and spent five years making the award-winning documentary Three Identical Strangers. You can watch it on Hulu. It's really, really good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It just gives, like, a deeper insight into the brothers' lives and how the study and their reunion affected them. Um, There's a whole bunch of different interviews. uh, And it goes a little bit deeper into the study, too. Uh, which leaves a lot more questions than answers. Uh, but I would definitely like watch the documentary, but I'm going to tell you more about it. Okay. The Louise Wise Adoption Agency no longer exists today. The U.S. journal Science wrote about Neubauer's choice to take siblings from that particular adoption agency, stating, quote, the irony of a Jewish researcher and a Jewish adoption agency conducting a twin study after the atrocities waged against Jewish people in Nazi Germany is clear and was perhaps the reason that Neubauer never published the results of the study, end quote. Mm. I mean, it's not a, it's not a good look. Definitely not a good look. So that's just kind of like, a pe- I think there are just so many parts of it, though. Yeah. And it just oh, gets wilder, wilder and wilder. wilder. How bad. Yeah. It's literally yeah. a tower of unbelievable. Like, what did you do yes. again? You did what? Yeah. He did what? I mean, there's I mean, just there's so, so many so theories. <sighs> the headbanging is very... That's strange. Because I don't think a lot of kids do that. And then all three of them did it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, they were together for six months. Mm-hmm. And then they're taken away from each other. I think that's one of the signs of separation anxiety. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, they're, they're young kids and they just... I don't know. You probably try to grasp at any relationship you can too. So, like, if that was taken away, like, yeah, it didn't you know from a young age, because mm-hmm. her mother wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And you've been sharing like a crib with each other and everything, and then yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, and then, and then bye. Yep, yep. Other identical siblings that were in Neubauer's study have come forward. Paula Bernstein was raised in Westchester, New York, and had no idea she had a twin until she received a call from a worker at the adoption agency who told her that um, 
she did have a twin who was looking for her. Wow. Yeah. Paula met her separated twin, Elise Sheen, who had been living in Paris at the time. Paula told Robert Siegel from NPR News about getting ready to meet her twin sister for the first time. Quote, I was very nervous about what I was wearing, you know? How do you dress to meet your identical twin for the first time? End quote. <laughs> How true that is. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you do? <laughs> do I go fancy? Do I go cat? Uh-huh. Is it even uh-huh. worth being fancy or is she going to see right through it because we're yeah. the same person? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Paula and Elise discovered they were both editors of their high school paper and had both attended film school. They oh. even had like similar mannerisms. Similar to the triplets, Paula and Elise were asked to share their story on national television. They also suffered from depression and discovered that their birth parents had mental health issues. Elise's birth mother in particular had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. So this kind of made them question whether Neubauer had chosen, you know, the kids uh, because their birth parents had some sort of mental illness. Oh, like they already had some kind of genetic markers. Yes. Like, I know we didn't know. That tower just got a little taller. Yeah. yeah. And a little darker. Yeah. 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 That's really gross. Mm -hmm. Paula and Elise attempted to contact Neubauer to get some answers, but he refused to speak with them. The sisters didn't give up, though, and after countless calls, Neubauer invited them to his house. However, once they met him, they realized that he didn't feel guilty for conducting this study and separating dozens of children from their siblings. He never even apologized. Oh, I'm sure he's like in the name of science. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This revelation has made them question the whole nature versus nurture debate themselves. Elise posed a question to NBR, quote, you know, if I were raised by Paula's parents and she were raised by my parents, would I be her? Would she be me? And I think the answer we've decided is no. End quote. Paula told NPR, quote, they should not have separated us. We should have grown up together. And yet I can't go back and imagine my life growing up with Elise. That life never happened. And it is sad that as close as we are now, there's no way we can ever compensate for those 35 years. End quote. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Wright was able to conduct an interview with Neubauer, uh, I believe for his book. During the interview, he asked Neubauer how many children in the study knew they were twins and how many didn't know. Oh, God. He responded, he quote, quote, for many, many, many reasons, reasons, I don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. Do we even know how many people were in it? I'll kind of you touch would on Okay, sorry. No, no. Uh, it, it's coming up real quick. Neubauer uh, was also asked why he discontinued the study, and he said it had become too expensive to keep it going. However... <laughs> it comes down to money yes but also poses another question where'd you get the funding where'd the money come yeah, from where'd the initial egg come yeah. from yeah so i don't know if it was like people from the adoption agency or related to them were like forking over money where did this all start the, maybe it's like maybe it was like a i don't know the right word but maybe like the adoption agency was like working with him and he was like i'll bring in adoptive families if you give me a cut of like i I don't don't know know. yeah Yeah. i don't know how like where he was working at the time if he applied for any grants yeah yeah that's a fun psychology thing to do Mm -hmm. get money from the government dive into it uh so morgan answer your question of the 13 presumed children involved in the study and that's you know, besides Paula, Elise, Bobby, Eddie, and David, two sets of twins have reconnected while four people still don't, like, know or realize they have a twin. And they have 
never been informed that they were even part of a study. Oh my god. Yes. yes. So there's okay. still, you know, people who are a part of this that don't know they have a sibling. That almost seems criminal. Like it's it half is basically your life kind of being kept from you. Yep. Yep. And this man just doesn't want to talk about it? Yes. Um, And he never will. Himself, Neubauer passed away in 2006. Again, like I mentioned, we have no idea what his data was or anything because he never revealed it during his lifetime. And before his death, he had the documents archived at Yale University, which will be sealed there until 2066. Oh, my God. He made sure that it wouldn't be released until 2066. Until everyone's probably passed away. Yep. That's what I think he did. What a trash human being. Yep. This has been a trash pile episode. Yes. yes. It's crazy. Are you fucking kidding me? What an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, after the documentary was released, though, the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services granted David and Bobby's request to access the study records. Over 10,000 pages of the study have been released. However like you had mentioned in your story, Sarah, redacted documents. These were also heavily edited and redacted to protect the identities of the other child subjects. There, it mentioned in the documentary, there was no conclusion. I don't know if it meant like no conclusion documented or Neubauer just never wrote up a conclusion because the study just ended. I don't know what that meant. Mm, or that seems very unlikely to me because normally if you're working on something for that long, you want to, you at least want a conclusion for yourself. Like, like what did you find? He, did you find nothing? That's a conclusion. Unless he just got so cocky and didn't care. Or he just he kept it for himself and never like. Yeah. Or destroyed it. Yeah. And it would have been really crazy if the woman that Bobby murdered was this psychologist's mother. Oh my God. <laughs> Double. <point>. Oh no. <laughs> Goodbye. I did not make that connection. I don't think... <laughs> Nor should you, yes. but in my yes. universe, that's, that's what In happened. my universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If multiverses are real, I'm making one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we probably won't know what the results were or how many sets of twins were actually involved in the study until that, you know, vault is opened, until they release those documents. Mark your calendars, ladies. 2066, we'll know. Yeah. Um, and I did know, too, what you said, Morgan. I mean, by the time it does come out, none, you know, all of the kids in the study are not going to be alive probably or not yeah it's your life's gone yeah Yeah. or the chances of one of them being alive and the other one being dead are very probable if not both Mm -hmm. like and again you're not just missing out on 30 years you're missing out on a whole life with another person who could have been so similar to you yeah it's very upsetting and still to this day no one really knows like what the true purpose of the study was Um, one research assistant, um, was interviewed in the documentary and he said they were really studying family dynamics and parenting practices, which in this case, I mean, they knew the parenting styles ahead of time because these parents had also adopted daughters from the adoption agency. So they already kind of knew who they would recommend, I guess, where these kids should go. Also, like, I know it's probably different now that it's 2022, but, like, looking into the adoption agencies and, like, the adoption process myself now, it's a, it's a rigmarole of stuff. I think it was a lot less difficult in the 60s. Correct. Now you're yeah. doing, like, yeah. multiple interviews, which I feel like you should because yeah. they're handing you a human being. But at the same time, if it was so, I don't think it was as popular of a thing to do i'm trying to be careful with my words there i don't think it was a like as 
let is more of a little bit more faux pas than it is now so like if i'm in that decade and i'm gonna go adopt a kid i wouldn't know what would be normal are you are do they do they do they survey everyone i don't know Mm -hmm. am i filling out a chart on how i think i'll raise my kid and then do i and it's going to a scientist i wouldn't know that that wasn't normal so who knows there's not like internet forums you're gonna talk to people who are adopting yeah who, who knows what he got away with also isn't it super cold they just randomly picked who got the better families yeah it's Again, I don't know. My stomach just growled because I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, uh, stay tuned for our 2066 episode where I deep dive oh into <laughs> the study results and what all those documents are. Be here. Yeah. yeah. 2066. I do. It's I crazy. do have a, a branch off of your story, Erin. Uh-huh. So, I don't know if you saw it in your in your research, and I, I I'm gonna butcher the hell out of it. But there was a set of twins who I don't think it was like purposefully separated or whatever. Uh-huh. These like two guys, and they finally somehow met again. I'm the details are vague. However, they had so much similarities that it was mm-hmm. freaky. Like both started smoking at the exact same age. Both broke their like right arm doing like doing some some like playing football. Wow. Both married, their first marriages were married to women with, like, the first same name. Both had two children who they named the same name. Yes. Both of them got divorced and then remarried, again, woman, women of the same names. Like, really weird stuff. Yeah. So, like, take what Aaron said and, like, highly suggest branching out and looking at uh-huh. it. Because it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, and I think that's why, like twins and identical siblings are so like interesting because yeah yeah, if you do take them apart is it their genetics is it their you know nurture environment it's Uh yeah Yeah. you do have a built-in control group which is sad yeah the other thing but you have to remember they're human oh of course they're not experiments the other thing too to think in your head though is even with non-twin siblings sometimes you have or like just to be different or to be maybe you want to defy your parents maybe your parents really want you to be a musician and they may they want you to be in band and they want you to do this but you defy it even though you may be an amazing piano player and you want to go play football instead so like having that kind of competition in your life to not only be good and outstand your sibling let alone your twin mm-hmm. but to also be different so like yeah. that plays a whole factor in it too of like all I can say is doo, 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 doo. Yes. I don't know. It's just so wild. My brain is reeling. Ugh. Also I found out the twins run in my family. I had no idea. So oh. that scares me a little bit, but now I'm very scared. Don't worry, they won't be separated if they <laughs> say if you want to adopt them out, Aaron and I know a great agency. Oh, perfect. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, definitely uh, check out that documentary if you want. It's only like maybe like an hour and 40 minutes or something, but okay. yeah. would you say it was again on Hulu? Yes, Three Identical Strangers. Three Identical Strangers. Yeah, yes. because I really didn't. Megan actually brought it up to me because I was thinking about looking at something else to research and she was talking about it to me because I didn't know the whole study thing. I thought it was literally like, oh, they... It just happened. Yeah, it just happened yeah. and they met each other. No, it's a lot darker, a lot darker story, yes. <laughs> Would you call it sinister? I would. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Ooh. 
Oh my god. Well, like Sarah said before, uh, if you'd like to give us topic suggestions or if you have your own spooky ooky stories that you want to share with us, you can email us at SinisterSunrisePodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, TikTok, we are Sinister underscore Sunrise underscore podcast. And uh, next week is a regularly Sarah scheduled episode. So tune in. Also, apologies on the COVID delay. Um, hope we en- you enjoyed the coconut head picture of Sarah to make up for it. <laughs> We've never missed a week, guys. So sorry. Nature versus nurture. Um, I can tell you my hair is not natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I know for a fact that after all three of our stories, um, that's enough sinister for your sunrise, for your yes, whole day. Yeah. So with that, see you next week. Stay sinister. Bye.